Today on the Larry Ringer Show, we'll see who really is your daddy. That's right. We've got the results of the paternity test here today to show just who is Okay, your... okay. We're not doing those kind of checks today, but we will talk about who is the father of the Jews in John 8 on today's Bible Study Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to join me this week. Today will be quite a study as we're going to see a big-time confrontation between Jesus and the Jews surrounding the temple. But before we go to that, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for a couple of things. Uh, First, I've recently applied for a job in a local church as a director of sports ministry, and, and I'll be meeting with the pastor of the church on Friday, so... I've already gone through the interview process, so please pray that uh, I just won't be anxious, I won't be nervous, and and uh, pray for me as I await the church's decision, and that both the church and I will make the right decision as to whether our ministries will be linked or not. Uh, second, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for a team from our school, which I'm, I'm going to be a member of, that is kind of running an apologetics youth revival for a church this week. We're having a great time as we present a message every night and then allow the students to take part in a question and answer panel where they're allowed to ask any questions they may have about Christianity. It's gone well so far, but uh, please be in prayer for the young people and the leaders involved as they're going to be equipped to do the work of ministry. And there are a lot of good questions coming out of this and a lot of people are learning why it is they believe what they believe. Finally, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for this ministry. We've had a, an unexpected time of rapid growth over the past few weeks, and, and it's great. It's great to hear you guys that are new to the podcast, and, and we love having you, but it also means our technical guys have to kind of be on their toes, and so they're scrambling around to make sure everything stays on track. And So just please be in prayer for both the organization and the content of this ministry, and pray that God may be glorified in all that we do. Also be in prayer for us as... We're kind of attempting to run a booth at a large regional Christian music festival at the beginning of the summer to get the word out about BibleStudyPodcast.org. I pray that we'll be able to discern if this is the best course of action, and and if so, that we'll be able to get all the details worked out of it. So, And of course, if you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason at all, feel free to contact me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. Now with all that being said, let's pray to open up our study of God's Word. Our gracious Father, we we thank you so much for the love that you have given to us. We pray that in all we do, we would glorify your name. Help us know as we study your word, and help us to learn from it and to change, so that we may be more like you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 8, if you're able, and we'll be starting today in verse 31. Now, we're about to see a very quick interchange of discussion in the verses that follow, so I'm going to try to stay as close to that pace as I can as we go through this patch of John's Gospel. I would like to remind you first, though, that in verse 30, where we ended last week, we saw that many were believing in Jesus. Now, this is the backdrop that sets up the discussion we're about to see tonight. So, so let's start with verses 31 and 32, which read, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word... Then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What Jesus is saying to those who now believe in him is simple. If 
you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. Living a life of holiness, which is a result of living according to Jesus' word, is not the cause of salvation, but rather it's a proof of salvation. It, it's what follows. If one is saved, it's only natural he will live his life according to the teaching of the one who saved him. This is, in a sense, the beginning of what will be said later by Jesus and later on further by the apostles. You're known by your fruit. See, doing good works does not save you, but once you're saved, your new nature compels you to do those things. Now, the second phrase in this statement is one that I believe is one of the most misused passages of the Bible. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, most people will take this verse out and use it as a sort of maxim, if you will, as if it's you know some sort of advice on why one should not lie. And while it's true that we're called not to bear false witness, that is, not to lie or to misrepresent the truth, that's not really the intent of this verse. Now, this verse is an answer to those who now believe in Him. You see, when you live in the words of Christ, you will know the truth. And it is that truth that will set you free. So what is that truth? Well, it's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth that you're a sinner, but God is gracious and has shown you mercy. It's the truth that Jesus is both fully man and fully God, giving Him and Him alone the qualification to atone for our sins. See, this is the truth that will set you free. But what is it setting us free from? Well, as we'll see here in a moment, it's the bondage of sin. It's a spiritual freedom that Jesus is alluding to here, and and this is the fact which seems to escape the Jews. And we'll find out more a little bit why it escapes them. But as we read on here in verse 33, we see the Jews answering Jesus, saying, We're Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, this is the joke of all jokes. The Jews answer that they have never been enslaved to anyone. It's almost hilarious in the naivety that they're trying to pull here. This is clearly false. They have in their own scripture multiple times where they were subject to Babylon, to Assyria, to Egypt, to Persia. Later on, they'd be subject to the Greece. And and as they stand here now, they're in Roman captivity. You know... Under what definition of the word could they ever be construed as being free? But the sad part of this answer is that it shows that people simply have no grasp of what Jesus is talking about. For as they stand and debate as to whether or not they are free, whether or not they're really slaves, they miss the point that Jesus is making. They're still in the bondage of their sins. They somehow think that just being a Jew, just being the descendant of Abraham, means that they are free and they have no need of a Savior. Jesus' answer, therefore, is huge as he works to correct this flaw in their thinking. Let's read on through verses 34 to 38. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with the Father, therefore you also do the things which you have heard from your Father. Right away, Jesus goes to work on the false premise which they gave. You are truly a slave. See, everyone who sins, he says, is a slave to sin. Now friends, let me mention as a side note here that this includes us too. If we sin, we are slaves to sin. This is why the previous verse was so important. For if we believe in Jesus and will abide in his word, meaning if we will trust Christ as our Savior, 
turn from our sins to follow Him as our Lord, we'll know the truth and it will set us free. However, for this Jewish crowd, this is not the case. But Jesus goes on and makes a distinction which is important. The slave does not stay in the house forever, but the son does. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. This is a key point because Jesus is addressing the issue of authority here. The slave, the one who commits sin, he will not be in the house forever. There will come a time when the odor of his discretions will demand that he be removed from the presence of his master. The slave is but a servant. He has no authority in the house and is only there as long as the master chooses to allow him to be there. The son, on the other hand, the son will stay in the house forever. He is not only welcomed in the house, but in fact he is the heir. So he will remain in the house. Taking this imagery to the matter at hand, Jesus is telling the people, you better decide whose word you want to believe. Do you want to trust the slave who himself is in the chains of sin? Or do you trust the son who bears the image of the father everywhere he goes and tells the truth he has heard from the father? The conclusion is that on the basis of his authority, if the Son had set you free, you are free indeed. His word is credible and his word is binding. If Jesus has set you free as the Son, you are truly free. This is why we have security as a believer. And this is how we can know that we're saved. Because the authority of Jesus assures it. But Jesus does not leave the second premise unquestioned either. He goes against their claim that the fact that they are Abraham's descendants somehow gives them a measure of prominence. You see, Jesus' answer to this is basically, it really doesn't matter, because you don't do as Abraham did. He does not deny that they are part of Abraham's bloodline. He doesn't ask for a paternity test or anything else like that. He just says, yeah, I know you're his descendants, but you're seeking to kill me because my word has no place in you. Now, I want us to notice the contrast that is developing here. Those who believe in Jesus abide in his word, and thus they are free indeed. Those who do not, the Jews standing before him, case in point, not only ignore his word, but try to kill him because of his word. Now be watching, because this divide is going to be split wider and wider as we go along through this chapter. But notice this difference being played out in verse 38, as Jesus says that he only speaks the things which he has seen the Father do claim he has said numerous times already to this point in John's gospel. But look at his description of the Jews, the other side. You also do what you have heard from your father. See, Jesus has sunk a wedge here between himself and the Jewish crowd that stands before him, saying, we obviously have different fathers. And you're just doing what you've heard from yours, and I'm doing what I've seen from mine. But notice what's implied here as well. For Jesus has just told us that whoever accepts his word and lives in it will be free indeed. See, the implication of this statement as a whole is that the people who he has said are slaves to sin are only doing what they have learned from their father. I mean, their father must be of sin as well. Jesus has just ratcheted this conversation up to a whole new level, which explains well why the people react as they do in verse 39. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. See, the people's reaction is clearly warranted here as their entire claim to relevance is as a descendant of Abraham. But Jesus has just told them that they are of another father. So they respond by saying, No, we're Abraham's children. He is our father. But Jesus answers them saying, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. 
You are doing the deeds of your father. So Jesus confronts the very claim by saying, if you were Abraham's children, you'd act like he did. He would have taught you the ways of God. I mean, Abraham is a hero of the faith. He is, by and large, a prototype of a faithful believer in God. You would have gotten the point if you were really listening to him. And I think this is Jesus' point in a nutshell. If you are of Abraham, you do what he taught you. But you're seeking to kill me because I told you the truth that I have heard from God. Abraham wouldn't do that, so you must not be of Abraham. Now this is one of the many instances where the logic of Jesus' argument is fascinating to watch develop. He basically says, if you were of Abraham, then you would not try to kill the messenger of God. But you are trying to kill the messenger of God, therefore you are not of Abraham. In formal logic, this is known as modus tullus. And, and it is so intriguing to see that our Lord is so exact in his speech that he even maintains perfectly sound arguments in his speaking. Of course, the Jews are going to be very upset at this point. Jesus has basically just told them that they are of a different father than he is. But on top of that, their father is not Abraham, or they would act differently. No, Jesus says, you're doing the deeds of your father. What are the Jews to make this? He's just denying that Abraham is their true father. So it only makes sense that they would respond in the manner that they did, saying to him, we're not born of fornication, we have one father, God. But this was the final straw. See, having been backed into a corner, the Jews defaulted to saying, Well, we only have one Father, and that's God. He's the Father of Israel. He's the one who has begotten us. But in their claim, what they are doing is they are justifying their actions under the guise that they are of God. And this is the final line to cross for Jesus, who cuts them right to the heart as he responds in verses 42 to 47. If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Wow! Now let's break this down a little bit. First, Jesus goes right after their claim directly, saying, If God was your Father, you would love me, for I have come from God. In fact, I didn't even come on my own will, but I came on the Father's will. I'm doing His work. So if you were of God, as you claim, you wouldn't hate me, but you would love me because I would be your fellow co-worker. I am from him. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, they can't even understand him because they can't hear his word. Why is it? Why can they not hear his word? They can't because of their father. And here Jesus reveals who this father is he's been talking of. It's the devil. This is why you don't get what I'm telling you. This is why you will not do what I tell you and why you won't believe in me when I give you the truth. Because you're doing the desires of your true father, the devil. Who's the devil? Jesus tells us here he is a murderer. And he has been from the beginning. He does not stand for the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks, he lies because that's his native tongue. It's part of his nature. After all, he is a liar and the father of lies. 
See, this is the problem the Jews have. They're not of God. They're not of Abraham. But they are of the devil. They have turned their backs on the ways of God. And as a result, have been turned over to the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. So when Jesus speaks as he is truth, and his word is truth, they will not believe him. They have no evidence of Jesus sinning. They have no reason to doubt him. But they still will not believe him because they're not of God. Here again, Jesus gives them as straightforward of a logical argument as you can have. If you hear the words of God, which he speaks, then you are of God. But you are not of God, therefore you do not hear the words of God. This elicits a response from the Jews of, Oh, you must be a Samaritan or you're demon-possessed, right? And, and we'll get into that next time, but as we close today's podcast, and I, and I know we've covered a good amount of ground here, and I hope that you can see what is going on, though. I hope you can see the trees from the forest. The major point here is if you've committed a sin, you're a slave to sin, and the devil is your father. He's the one who guides you, who influences you. But the scary part is that he's a liar. He's a murderer, and he himself is a slave. Remember, though, Jesus' words tell us the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, though, the son does. The hope that we have and the hope that we've been given is that if we believe in the son, Jesus, and we live in his word, we are free indeed, for the truth sets us free. The truth that Jesus has made a way for our sins to be taken away from us and a way for us to be free with him. That's the hope. To follow Satan, to follow in the life of sin we have now, is to follow a slave. And the slave will be thrown out. But to follow the son is to be free and free indeed. Please consider this as we go this weekend. And until we meet again, friends, may God bless and keep you. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcasts.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Jesus.